Um, hey, thanks everybody. Uh, this is Pepe. Yeah, this is the Athletes Here podcast. Uh, yeah, we're episode 105, and I'm sure we're going to stick to that. Uh, just before we get into our guest and everything else, yo, it's been a bit of a, it's been a bit of a crazy year. Um, too many, too many things happening and not happening at the same time. So we actually recorded a few episodes. This is actually the third episode I have to record. Yeah, um, just too many technical things from, yeah, I've been comparing one load shedding, I think, virtually every, <laughs> every <laughs> um, 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 so much that I think it's actually part of my lexicon now. Um, yeah, but anyway, it's all good, man. Um, yeah, guys, man, um, just to, just before I start, like, big up to Damien Harry for last week's episode. Um, I thought, I thought that was really insightful. The AI uh, chat that we had was seriously, seriously insightful. I have been looking at some of those apps that we spoke about, and yeah, um, I'm seriously considering moving the majority of my production onto the AI platform. Um, it'll also save me time and money, um, and time, time is money. Um, and I'm sure many entrepreneurs can relate to that. So um, I'm, I'm definitely considering all of um, all of that because, hey man, like all of these things that's happening is just out of my control. Um, and it's, it's kind of messing up the, the productivity and so forth. But speaking of productivity, I have been, I have been, I have been pretty, um, I have been, I have been working, I've been doing a lot, I've been a lot of studio time this, um, this week. And, um, yeah, the, um, the podcast with me and Asar Kevalon is definitely, I think, for the first episode next week with a couple in, I think it's in, it's either in Sao Paulo or it's in Salvador in Brazil, which is going to be really interesting. So look forward to that. Um, I think we'll be publishing those episodes like midweek. And there's also season courses, um, uh, Power to Tuesdays, and I know she that he's recorded one episode so far. So I'll be uh, tweeting and blogging all about that, you know, as um, as the time comes. But yeah, man, just to move on to today's guest, um, Kimberly Anderson. Um, we actually recorded an episode with her, I think it was two weeks ago, but hey, my man, like, it just, I, it's, it didn't happen. Um, when the files, when I was entering the files, I found that only rendered less than eight minutes, um, which is ridiculous because we spoke for close to that hour. So I thought publishing an episode of eight minutes won't make any sense. Um, and thank my sister for being so cool for taking time out on a Sunday, you know, on a Sunday lunch and to us to do all our guests from abroad, Sunday lunch, like a kind of thing. Um, yeah, you eat, you laugh, and in some cases you drink. <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, I'm not assuming anything yet today. So, Kimli, first, um, thank you. Um, you say I uh, will look. You were talking off air. Your background looks very cool. It actually looks. Uh, <laughs> it looks very holiday. <laughs> it's, it, it, looks, it, it does give up holiday vibes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does. It does. It does. I look like it could be a hammock somewhere in the background, um, and just like. Yeah. So, firstly, welcome um, again, and thanks for thanks for agreeing to come back for my pleasure. This my episode. pleasure. Yeah, man. Much love to that, my sister. Um, just to catch up, um, the for our listeners, that's well, you know, we spoke um about two weeks ago, and what we did there was um we spoke a lot about the identity politics of your self-published book um. And um, I thought that was a pretty. I thought that was a pretty. Uh, 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 I thought that was pretty insightful because I'm also a brown person or a colored person or whatever person. I'm not. A, I'm a South African. But uh, so so it was, it was really very interesting to sort of relate uh, to that because as you guys know, on this platform, I haven't really spoken about identity politics, and there was a reason for that. So, um, yeah, man, so we spoke about uh, Do I Look African, we spoke about your uh, BIBA award for 2022 and a whole bunch of other things. So um, let's just start just for those guys. Let's just give a, a brief thingy of like where you are, where you're based, uh, where, <laughs> where you are, where you originally from, where you're based. Uh, yeah, and then we'll just take it from there. Okay, so, well, my yeah. name is 
Kimberly Anderson, uh, Kimberly Mabel Anderson. Um, Mabel. Yes, that's where the M comes from. You know, this is the the first and only probably interview where I'll actually reveal the second (laughs) (laughs) second name. Uh, Because for, yeah, for a good couple of years, people are asked, what does the M stand for? You know, because they understood um, the, the, the K, which was Kimberly, the the A, which was uh, Anderson, and they never understood the M, which is Mabel. My parents, I question their love for me when I look at that <laughs> second name, uh, because I've heard all the jokes. I've heard that maybe yeah. it's Maybelline. I've heard everything, uh, and unfortunately, all the old people that I met, uh, all the people that I met with the name Mabel were old. So, <laughs> so you know, does, um, but does yeah, have an old auntie vibe to it. Exactly, and um, I'm I'm from a, a very small farm town in KwaZulu Natal. I come from a small town called Eshowe in KwaZulu Natal. Uh, it's hard to even find on the map, and I love geography growing up. So to find it on the map was always a challenge. Uh, <laughs> you know, nowadays we have, have Google Maps where you just do this a good couple of times, and you can find <laughs> this the space. And uh, yeah, I spent I was born in Durban, but spent my whole life in Eshoe from primary school high school married kids everything was there until I moved out um out here and writing was always 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 something that um I just did as a hobby at first it was just something nice and then it became serious <laughs> as I grew up it became something that pulled me out of a lot of deep dark spaces and it was also something that made me more comfortable in my identity as a person and I know we've mentioned colored politics um but I love how I never allowed that to 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 sway who I was in my identity and finding my identity which was um a colored chick that never really fitted into any colored communities in Durban because I lived there I worked there but people would nitpick me out as much as I worked and I had the retail job and there was always that stigma of, yeah, you always find colored girls working there in retail. You know, I worked in the pavilion um, out in Durban. I worked in American Swiss, shocking. I was the only colored girl here for some time. Uh, the other one left and went to the bank. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it was a fun experience, but also how people picked me out because of how I spoke. They were like, you're not from Sydney. You're not from Wentworth. Like, why do you speak like that? You know, so it was always interesting. And even moving out to Joburg was interesting. So that's how we birthed the book, Do I Look African Enough? Because on a local scale, I was picked out. Of like, ah, you don't speak Afrikaans, we catch you. <laughs> we caught you out. And then on an international scale, it was, you know, are you sure you're African, African? You come from Africa, Africa? You know, so... I had fun with it. It made a good direction for writing because people limit writing. And I felt like for me, I never limited myself when it came to writing. I wrote about politics, how I feel about politics, how I dislike a lot of things with with our politics out here in our beautiful country. I love that I have the freedom to say how I feel about it in our country, unlike in other places where people don't have the freedom that we have, you know? So I've taken full advantage uh of of that because i never came across a lot of writers um that wrote about the things that i wrote about that nitpicked the faults and the flaws uh and i was like oh okay no one really did this you know i went back and did my research i was like okay let me go and do it let's see how i'm received but even if i'm not who cares (laughs) i'm doing it for me so yeah that's basically who i am and um yeah um thanks for that man um in our first episode or first of or, or um, first recording i remember you were explaining um the difficulties of the or, or coming from a small town um and i guess the uh, the isolation um um as a as a creative um or, or being isolated as a as a as a creative and then moving to a bigger city and like that pain and it is a pain sometimes actually a physical pain um that gets that gets born out of that and then sort of out of that your creativity came so i uh, in in the i thought that was an incredibly cool metaphor um of um of uh of art not just being a well you know you make a living office or got a commercial side but it's also a hell of a therapeutic thing um sort of to face um issues that were quite personal and hurt and then actually be brave enough to put it on paper uh, can you comment on that? 
you know just like going a little bit back in what you said it's it's one thing to just write um to get paid from writing or performing wow that's a big thing every time i get paid for anything when it comes to my creativity i get excited uh <laughs> i get i always get amped i'm like what you know even if it's for the smallest amount to the biggest amount yeah. it never really bothers me um which is why i i still prefer it's not that i've i've put myself in a box but i've still prefer going to perform in spaces that need to hear poetry um and that kind of poetry um going back to the message on a whole with the book is i was so fearful even with every piece that i wrote in the book and and everyone that that's close to me knows because i was like how are people gonna how how is anyone gonna receive this you know because i talk about um even some family history of how my grandmother was um abused by my grandfather physically abused because of my mom being light in complexion and my grandmother was very slightly darker in complexion my grandfather was really really fair um and he was like oh you gave birth to the farmer's child you know yet i'm like did he not check what he looks like like my guy what <laughs> you know so she she was beaten up because of that and they stayed out past my tuba side so if anyone knows back in those days you walking from the hospital just gave birth and you're getting you know hit because of how your child looks the color you know and and for me hearing those stories before my grandmother passed away fueled also the writer in me now because i was like i'm gonna tell this story but how do i tell the story and not just her story but also the story of being someone like me that that doesn't get involved really in the politics of being cut but is kind of like on the outside is like oh i'm really mixed mixed like i can't jump on the way okay yeah i fall in a trap i'm like i'm part kosa i'm part zulu i'm part german i'm part this but that that's why when i have a bad hair day i'm like uh, i think it's the uh, the german and like i always re- re- like exactly like i always go to this thing when i have a bad hair day and i'm like yo i think this is shaka and hitler they are fighting and yeah. somebody looked at me and they were like what did you just say and i was like but that's part of my ancestry that's part of who i am is part german and it's part this and it's part that and i was like i recently found out my grandparents on my dad's side were all from the trans guy and i was like whoa that's cool you know so when it came to politics of of being colored out never got involved in it i can't got involved with the identity of being comfortable in your skin and because there was always that thing of you got to straighten your hair and you got to yeah. do this and you got to speak like that and just because you don't speak like this doesn't make you colored enough or just because you don't drink like that doesn't make you colored enough or the amount of kids you have and all these different things so i wrote about them you know what i'm about you know so No, I, I went think. and I wrote about them. Uh, I I I don't know how. <laughs> I went and I wrote on them and you know there was one of my pieces where um I clearly state that your your narrative of who we are, how much we drink, how many kids we have and or, or you know all these things about us but then I ended off with saying but your your narration is is warped because basically uh you haven't thought about how it was made. because some of us to be honest was a result of rape if you go back to the history of who we are and that's not politics that's just history and we didn't ask for it you know not asked to be this mixture of beauty but that's just who we are and that's was the purpose of the book of tackling all those things because we've bought into um and it's not just out here in South Africa but it's internationally we've bought into this thing of because of how apartheid was with colored here black there the state everyone there so the narrative had changed of oh colored people are like that so when they meet you they assume that thing about you where's now we're in a different era but i still find it to be so and i think i had mentioned when i was out in uh, um alex for an event and it's nothing against alex because we have our foundation there i love being in the space because of the sense of community and how i'm welcomed but There was one moment where somebody from Alex came and said, "Hey, what are you doing here?" On Africa Day, where I was performing, I was one of the performing poets, and she's like, "Oh, what are you doing here?" She pulled me aside with my group of friends, and I was like, "Um, I'm one of the the performers." She says, "Oh, who do you represent?" And her questions came and because I've 
conducted my fair share of interviews over time you know and I've, I've produced you know uh the one of the shows i was like no this is this is this is this is weird <laughs> you know she she came prepared for me i was like she probably saw me because i'm always early so i was there like 20 i was on time but because of african time they were still setting up so she saw me and i had seen her but i wasn't focused on that and so uh when she asked me those things and I was like, I represent the Kula Morelen Foundation. We're based here out in Alexandra and 8th uh, in Richard Baloy. And she was shocked because of how my information was coming out. And so she's like, oh, okay. And she walked away. And uh, when I approached my friends, when I went back to the table, they were like, Kim, who's that? Do you know her? I was like, no, I don't know her. They were like, why did she ask you? So I told them, you know, that how the, the conversation went. And they were like, what? They got mad, you know, uh, <laughs> they got upset, but it didn't phase me it didn't shock me because I was used to being in a space where people were speaking in Zulu about about me or about someone or something and I'd laugh at the joke or I'd respond back in in either English or in, in Zulu depended you know on, on my mood as well for the day and they'd be like what you understand what I'm saying you know so those kind of scenarios didn't surprise me you know but it surprises a lot of the people around me and then I, so that's why I go back and say that's the reason behind the book it's an education tool as much as we like to say that um traveling opens up the door to to ignorance you know breaks the door to ignorance um reading does the exact same thing you know it does yeah. the exact same thing because yeah. sometimes we say things um insensitively but we don't understand that uh, the cultural barrier of how that person might perceive it is different to what you're trying to understand. Now you find yourself in this debate where that person's offended because of what you said, but you don't understand that culturally for them, that was wrong. You know, so it's, it's, that's the, the beauty of, do I look African enough? Because there's no one that's a specific race that can say they don't understand the pieces in this book. So if I must get what you're saying is that um, as much as it was therapeutic in writing about your uh, um, um, experiences, um, it was also a way of educating people who read it about um, about how diverse. Um, I think that's I think that's pretty that's pretty interesting um, for a bunch of things. The first thing is that or the first thing that that comes to my mind is that. Uh, um, as 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 artists based uh, as artists living on the continent, um, um, our creative industry is not that diverse and it's not that huge. I mean, huge as well as sales, numbers, etc., money, basically, um, where you can be a little nuanced. Where, for example, if you take like the, the like, you know Harry Potter, um, it'll be very difficult to conceptualize a, a series of books like that based in some township in South Africa. Because your reality dictates basically what you conceptualize, and 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 so 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 um, I think that's I think that's pretty um, that's pretty interesting. And just to and just to add another point on top of that, I want to put another medium. Um, um, I'm a visual artist by trade, so to speak. Um, the first few images that I did, um, and I'm talking like in my early late teens or something like that. Um, was 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 sort of pseudo self portraits, but it was like action. Did I have to dig? Um, <laughs> what's this cartoon? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I used to dig comics as a light team, and, and uh, I used to have these like sort of action text stuff. And um, many many years later, looking at it, I'm like, oh shit! So 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 maybe my my conscience is like, yo, I'm actually bigger, louder than the the the, 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 the so I don't represent like such. <laughs> Subconsciously, I was representing myself as somebody who's literally bigger than his, than my damn surroundings. I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty interesting. Um, um, this is this is jump like um when you were saying that uh, also traveling is also uh, and I agree. I uh, I agree that traveling also also sort of breaks down those uh, 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 identities. Like anyway, but you get it. But you also mentioned reading. Um, yeah, who who are you reading growing up? Um, who did you like, and who was um, who's poetry, who's you know, who's who's writing, um, moved you and shaped your to be honest. Uh, and I think we had mentioned it the, when we tried to do this before. The only form of poetry that I knew growing up was Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, thank you to Mrs. Pillay, my English teacher, for for uh, 
give forcing me to read in, in the class every session that we had with her for english um but that was the only poetry that i was exposed to at that time and because as as we mentioned like ishawi uh, uh ishawi was a very uh <laughs> it was closed off to many 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 things you know it was closed off to yeah a whole lot of things like we didn't have a we had one more even up to now we still have one more but like we never had a mcdonald's we never had a lot of things like you know and it's not this to mcdonald's but um as a kid we would have liked to have something like this you know other than kfc or chicken licken um but it it's a very small town and you know it, it'll tell you when we close to places like yonkandla kingindlovu mandeni you know it's it's very very small it's not like richest bay so I was limited to a lot of a lot of things even when it came to technology you know even when it came to the first cell phone because I was talking with my daughters about that the other day I was like wow do you know I grew up at a point where there weren't even cell phones and the first cell phone I ever saw was that Ericsson it was blue and it flipped and oh, they were like what are you talking about and I was like it had an aerial you have to put the aerial up and they were like I don't know what you're talking about you know um because my my brother was in a trick and he has pictures with them and <laughs> I laughed at him because i didn't know what that was at that point but um that was the 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 small the unfortunate but fortunate thing about ishoy because i say unfortunate because there's a lot we could have learned there's a lot that we could have harnessed when it came to our creativity but it's fortunate in the sense of we learned a lot about community and it taught me a lot about um observing people's behavior observing and enjoying nature you know the the gardening side of things and all these other uh, things that we learned growing up so when i moved out here and I, i i started tapping more into poetry i still didn't have a favorite poet and there was something i said last year was the year before in another interview and someone asked what is you who's your favorite poet and i was like me and uh it might have come off a bit a bit prideful to say but I I'll still go back to saying me because I don't want to bank too much on I admire a lot of people. I admire many 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 poets out in in Africa, South Africa, internationally I admire a lot of people, but at the end of the day I still want to be my own best because I feel like sometimes when we idolize people too much, we aim to be like that person so much that we lose sight of who we are and our character and the things we enjoy, you know, because I've heard some poets that like um you know your your Maya Angelou and, and then I've heard them recite pieces and they sound just like Maya Angelou and then I've heard some poets that like you know some some amazing poets out here like you know your clear and soli and you know all these other poets out here and then I've heard them perform and they sound almost just like soli or they sound just like clear and I'm like but okay the best advice I can give you is sound like you because they don't sound like somebody else they also just sound like them you know so that <laughs> that's what I say for me but I enjoy reading on a whole um reading is very good but right now i'm still dissecting my own book <laughs> i'm still dissecting my own book because uh the things that i've written about i'm still trying to sink in that i actually wrote them <laughs> because i feel like when we write we go into you know how many different amazing artists like your da vinci and all these other people that were said to be mad uh i was in my madness when i was writing the book cuz that's when i was at my height of depression and anxiety i'd be writing poems when i'm having an anxiety attack and oh, i'm there hardly can crazy. hardly breathe exactly you can hardly yeah, breathe yeah 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 how do you how do you how would you how would you concentrate um, um i don't know no. <laughs> i was crying and my hand was shaking and i'm just like <laughs> so you write what's the pen the whole time i would write my best writing that i had done was with a pen and then um there were moments when i couldn't even write with my pen then i would just grab my phone and press the record on the record app on my mm-hmm. phone and i would record pieces like uh i'd mentioned um one of the pieces was the labor pains of africa that piece was basically me just taking my phone and and doing it because i don't know about everyone but sometimes with with the creative's mind my creative mind it flows so fast everything is coming in so quick and that's what contributed to the insomnia because i wouldn't sleep at times because there's so many poems running through my head but my hands and my mouth weren't getting them out fast enough and my brain couldn't 
handle what my heart is feeling. So it's like, you know, there was just that fight constantly. And no, 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 some I know, I know managed to... Yeah, you know, someone managed to get them out and record them uh, verbally. And then some I managed to not get out. You know, some of the best pieces are still written in my head at this point. Um, the ones that actually found their way out, I'm still surprised because also we have this thing where we want to perfect. We always want to have a perfect piece or we want to have that perfect this or I don't know about everyone, but I always do that. You know, I'm always my biggest critic. When I go back to my performances, I, I look at it. What did I do wrong? The same with my pieces. Okay, go back and touch it up. There's some pieces I wrote 2017 and I, I went back and looked at them in 2019. I was like, I need to change some things, you know, mm -hmm. so that, <laughs> that's, that's what it's like. That's actually, that's actually quite fascinating. Um, a bunch of things too. Two things, bunch of things. Uh, the fact that um, your, I would say your core of your writing was shaped actually is, is actually a direct, or <clears throat> me rephrase it, that the core of your writing is actually shaped directly by your surroundings um, um, and by the sort of lack of, say, cultural void. Um, 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 and then and then the creative, what I'm, um, 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 what I've, you know, talking to so many artists over over the years um you know that there's that there's that that, that an artist is made or uh, it, it, uh, born you can't you can't front it so you either have it in you or you don't you can't you can't front it and though that front the rest of us can see um i think that's i think that's pretty um, i think i think that that's pretty interesting um i think you'll actually grow um um oh wait just this um let me not go there yet uh, uh, uh let me just get back to the the other, the other point you were saying about writing when <laughs> with being anxious, being a <laughs> I think a lot of graphic designers uh, and uh, web developers who's chasing deadlines can probably relate to. Um, no, no, like, a, like as, I, as I was saying, um, uh, to write, to write in a very anxious, I think that must be, that must be interesting to actually do a case study on that to see uh, 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 how the words eventually come on the paper. The sort of sort of sort of, sort of the, 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 I guess the the, the the personality of the words. The, 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 it will actually be interesting to see how the, how the actual handwriting looks. Is the hand is there a shakiness? Is, is the line more bold? Is it fat? Um, because because it's, uh, yeah, man. Uh, 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 I write. Um, I I have like a piece of paper with multiple colors and multiple. So with every um, with every episode, I've got. Yeah, the bottom of this is just full of papers. So That's the proof that, that we are writers. That's the proof. Yeah. <laughs> I've got all these color markers here, so every idea. Um, and it eventually takes on almost a almost a language on its own and has a personality on its own. Um, so that's why I, I, I'm in some of those problems. <laughs> I'm a bit anxious and a bit stressed and a bit whatever and a bit happy or whatever. So it definitely so. That's why I think that will be that has to be quite interesting to explore. Uh, like in a separate episode. Um, definitely, I think that I think that's pretty interesting. Um, okay, let's move on from there, man. Um, so um, we spoke um, we spoke of uh, something that really resonates um, um, with me and just for the listeners. Um, so Kim, you are uh, published by a lady from the US, correct? Yes. Where about exactly? Just, just so we can... she, the book was published in New York. She's based in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Okay. Uh, okay, so how does that work, actually? Is <laughs> a company based in, in New York? <laughs> no, we, we um, the books were rolled out to publish at a, a big publishing house out there. Um out in new york yeah that's i think also it was uh it was it was good for us because also we we forged nice um things with that because my book before my book even touched african soil it was part of the new york poetry festival out last year september so the moment my book got published <laughs> it was already uh out there for <laughs> on display at the festival so that, that was one of the benefits so what I find, what I find super interesting, and like I said earlier, like um, we spoke about that little bit of it, is why local-based artists find it easier and sometimes more convenient, and in some, <laughs> some cases financially uh, are better to work with guys who's based um, abroad than based locally. 
And um, let me just let me just add my two cents on that. Um, yeah, local based um, publishers, art galleries, music um, company, uh, uh, music record labels, um, and so forth, um, are can be quite formulated um, and quite um, conservative in being formulated. In other words, they stick to a winning formula because that's what makes them money. Um, and um, that's what makes their business work because as we all know, like the system works that the product, um, the, 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 in your case, the publisher will take the, the, the words, you know, and, 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 and they have an existing market and they know that these words will sell to this market. So there's very little room for experimentation. And even if the artist is, um, you know, is tries to experiment, there's all this, there's, there's a formulated type of experiment. And that you see across every single genre of music, um, which is why I think the Ama Piano uh, genre is so massive because it's incredibly formulated and it's easy. It's easy, easy, easy. You just take one, two, three, four elements, put it in the studio, uh, get a get a hook, and then you have a hit. Um, and the same could, yeah, I said that, the same can be said. Um, I also spoke to, uh, 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 I think it was two weeks ago, to to to, to a documentary maker about uh, about a similar concept with um, with documentaries, and it was the same thing. So uh, the people who's who's throwing money behind it wants their money back. And um, just another just another point on that, um, which I find fascinating, is that you say you were. Um, you did approach local, um, local based guys. It's just that they, you know, the language, whatever was spoken by the international guys work you. And what we also spoke about, um, the, the first time we tried to do this was that, um, what I saw, um, with, with, with your book was that it was really, uh, it was really, uh, a package for, 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 for an international audience. Um, even the title, um, even the title, um, cause you look at the title, you look at the, the, the cover art, um, 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 you know, uh, for somebody I can understand, say for example, somebody in Brazil, uh, 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 or look at it, okay, this person looks like you, but the African so so they make, uh, 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 you know, all the deductions in the head and then they read the words, but now they that's by the word. So that is actually quite fascinating. Um, that opens up, um, <laughs> I think you want actually be a bit critical on local based, um, but I think if I'm a bit too critical, I just might lose more clients um, and I can't afford to do that so early on in the year. Um, and we're back. Um, so Kim, like we said earlier on, um, yeah, what's your take on um, what we spoke about earlier on, on moving to an international-based publisher, being marketed and being um, packaged as an international-based mode versus locally? It's a hard question to answer because um, everyone that is in my very close circle knows that I'm always that person canvassing for local artistry and local this and, you know, local produce. I'm that person that oh. uh, local, local oh. vegetation, like oh. everything. I'm, I'm for it, you know, um, even up to going and learning how to grow my own vegetation to some point oh. now where... Uh, I never asked for it. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where, as you mentioned, you know, there's the the wannabes um, where they are always trying to overcompensate for something that's not even there or something that they don't have. And that was kind of, for me, it, it was the opposite because I downplayed myself. Um, I downplayed what I did. I downplayed my writing. I just, there was that person, but I was nitpicked out of a space of a whole lot of people where someone was like, okay, you're good enough after approaching so many people. And for me, it was a thing of, wow, somebody so far thinks I'm good enough at what I'm doing. Whereas locally, my fingers had been burned by people that want me to write in a certain way and want me to speak in a certain way and um, all these other amazing things because who said I wanted to be, and that's something I always say is, who said I wanted to be a Shakespeare? What if I wanted to be a Wordsworth? What if I wanted to be the people's poet? Because when you look at the history of poetry, he was not the most sang about guy. <laughs> you know, we didn't, I don't, I never ever read or dissected any of his pieces growing up in, in high school, you know, but he was known as the people's poet. 
um, for for the everyday person. And so I was like, I want to be that person because I was questioned about uh, from somebody that, and and this is what I did in my early stages of writing. I never sent my pieces to people that were poets or creatives to dissect or give their input. I sent it to an everyday person because I wanted to know how it made them feel, not necessarily of the pros and cons and the highs and the lows and the words and all these other things. No, I wanted to know how it makes somebody on an everyday level feel. Does it make you feel good? Does it make you think of something? Does it trigger a memory? And I was like, that's what I want to do with my writing. And so when I was scrutinized by people within our circle of writing locally, I was like, wow, they don't make me feel good. Writing makes me feel good. Writing is not supposed to feel like a job. You know, it's not supposed to. Yes, I know people do it for a job, but I don't want it to feel like that. I want to enjoy it. It's a job. You know, it, you know, but it must be something that you enjoy, you know, because when I studied to, to for, for, for teaching, I studied for teaching. Yes, I found ways of enjoying it. Um, but at the same time, it was just a thing of, I'm doing it for money. <laughs> that's, that's what teaching was. It was a thing for money. But when I got into poetry, it was like, I'm doing it just because, you know, just you. because. So when I was on Instagram and going on Instagram lives and working on my craft after being stumped down so many times, hearing that I had the voice for poetry and I needed to work on the words and all all these other things so i went and i worked on it and COVID hit worked on my delivery via social media so when the ones that were trying to tell me how to do it crashed because they didn't know how to conform to what was happening on the digital world i grew in the digital world you know um and i loved it i loved every part of it because i was like i can perform on a zoom and i don't have to see those people ever again in my life you know and i, I came across people stumbled across Facebook and there was someone that had posted something in a poetry group of a link and I was checking on the time when I logged into it and I was like what this is at 3am and uh, the first one was actually with a, a poet by the name of uh, Breeze he's a a very 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 amazing slam poet out in the US he's one regional and and uh, international champ on I think more than one occasion so it was awesome when stumbling across a room that has greats because there were big names in that spaces. You know, there were poets from Baltimore. There were poets from New York. There was so many different people in that space. And I was like the small fish. And I was like, wow, this is what it's like. And I'm not a slam poet, but slam poetry excites me. It winds me up, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, because, yeah. you know, it just gives you that excitement. Yeah. And even though yeah. we are those poets that necessarily are pen poets, but we we spoken word poets, but we can we can flip through the two, and hearing how they deliver stuff and how aggressive they were with things, I was like, okay, I don't want to do that, but I could do it if I wanted to. But then I kind of found the bridge of the highs and the lows of like having a slam poet voice in some parts of my pieces, and then digressing again and going back again. I was like, oh, I love this, you know. And now one of my my good friends, Ashley Moyo, is she's a slam poet out here in 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 Joburg, and she's one of my good friends. I admire what she does, but I could never, you know. So with going onto those social media platforms and not saying anything bad about local. But the thing is, is when COVID hit, the platform that I was a part of at some point, they were promoting more international than local. And that's what broke my heart because I was like, we here, hello, we here, hi. Because I worked with a lot of poets here in South Africa. I can name them, I can pull them out, you know. Um, and they were just like, they were disheartened too. Cause they were like, we trying to, we also want to record our stuff and get it on those platforms. We also want to do this and we've submitted. I was like, did you submit? Cause I would, I'm that person that when I hear about something, I'm sending the link to everyone. Mm. And when I'd get people that have said, I've sent the link and they didn't play my stuff or they didn't even reply and they didn't say anything to me, it hurt. So I was like, I'm not even going to refer my people there anymore. Um, my, my circle of people with poets and it's a diverse a lot of people I was like I'm not sending them there anymore why not just go and make my own space and why not just do my own thing 
And then that's how I stumbled across uh, Marissa Prada and a bunch of other awesome, amazing poets from uh, New York, poets from uh, uh, Texas and also Canada and, you know, different places out in the US as well as UK, you know, so I was like, wow. I caught the bug, <laughs> you know, I, I caught the bug. But as I say, I didn't ask for it. Um, it's just one of those things that where you say, you know, you're, you don't plan the journey, but sometimes when it comes along the way, you just, okay, let's go with it. You know, I come from the small town where I was, I didn't know about the stuff. Wow, but might as well, you never know. So you never know, get me, <laughs> got me a publishing deal. Um, so that's that was my name. <laughs> so very, very interesting, man. So would it be safe to say that you are definitely your um let me say you are a poet, you are a product of a post COVID world of a digital like like your poetry received, or where you are now as a poet. Um you sort of you wrote the uh the virtual gigs wave so much you you like like a product of course that is super 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 interesting um that's fascinating that's fascinating um for a bunch of reasons firstly we've been covering that extensively on this platform and our artists have been adapting to that um um just to just to give you some perspective um um i want <laughs> the old way of of doing it is to host a session as you know and to invite people and to and to press 12, 13, 20, however many people in a room and you're hoping that one of them is an influential fella. That's why you got to keep doing things constantly. Um, I sort of come out, come, 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 um, come through that thing and, and, and there's a five percent like I wouldn't change it for anything. Um, 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 but the frustration um, um, I'm between that is, I'll give you an example, many years ago in Melville, um, <laughs> we got excited because we were doing we were doing a show and there was just some white dude that just stood up and was talking on his phone and some of us were getting excited and saying, oh fuck, maybe this guy is calling his agent, calling somebody and I maybe he was just calling a lift or, <laughs> or, or, or making sure that the, the, the stove was done or, but, but we just got excited because some he, he looked like he was important and um, <laughs> I found out like, like over time there's, there's a lot of things like that. So there was a lot of hit and miss in other words. Um, um, a lot of uh, a lot of that, but you know, it's fun. It's good fun in, in many ways. But what is what you what you're doing or, or, or in a postcode world, which I find fascinating, is that these guys will be logging onto these sessions. These are people in the know. The people taking time out from across the globe. So your audience is like that is the <laughs> that is the go-to audience. Which is also why, like you know, I started the podcast events because I want to. You know, I want to talk to a specific group of people. So that's fascinating. That's fascinating. And I'm actually like, big up. Well, <laughs> uh, if I had like sound effects now, I'll do the sound effect thingy and this and that because I think that's dope. That's dope. Um, also, I mean, like um, Caesar, um, my dear friend, I mean, she's um, she went through the traditional route, you know, and now she's picked up eventually by Kotsoto. Um, and now there's this there's also uh oh, my screen is freezing um so that's probably a network issue um what i've um what i've what i what i've noticed with uh traditional um publishers in south africa this uh, the processes are also it's also time consuming um and it takes it takes ever and so forth so um if you were saying you were starting to jam um you know post cold world how long did it take for you uh, uh when you did your first session to where the book was published, to the award. Um, can you just explain to us that uh, that that journey? So 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 so. How did they? How did they? Or, or, or rather, let me be more specific. How were you accepted? You know what 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 part of the poetry or what part of you? Um, and how did they say? Okay, boom, we're gonna publish this. And, and like, how did your life change after you won? Um, and you can tell us about the um, award as well. The first session opened my eyes to the endless possibilities because um, there was once I wrote that poetry is my drug of choice and 
that is totally it because the bug had it had hit me you know when when people used to always talk about when something hits them and you know they they started chasing that rush or that yeah. feeling after that it's like yeah. nah this, yeah. the, 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 you know this is just an adrenaline junkie yeah, yeah. but uh, I became like that you know I became like a I became a poetry junkie in the sense of I was chasing every session that I could possibly get my hands on because before covid I would go to sessions out in Melville as well you know um it's just with that i didn't have much guidance i wasn't getting much uh um, motivation or or just you know that thing to say okay you're doing the right thing but just maybe try work on this you know constructive sure. criticism because i'm sure. always i'm for that you know it doesn't matter how many books i write and how many awards i win i'm still going to be open to criticism sure. and and decide if it's good or if it's just something that i need to throw one side and be like ah that's you know that's just out of line and so i didn't get that and it wasn't just me it was a couple of us and so we branched off and we did our own thing which was and i mentioned was hashtag i am poetry africa which hashtag i am poetry underscore africa yeah. as lorenzo uh, hendrix always wants to be technical but uh, <laughs> that's how we formed that baby because we were the rejected we were the ones that were never told and then when we came together we would nitpick each other's pieces and be like ah you need to change this line sure. find a way of rephrasing that line dig deeper or he would be so honest to a point where it's like i feel like you're sugarcoating this you know where we'd, we'd say oh. to each other like i feel like you can dig deeper here or your piece is too short i feel like it shouldn't have ended that way i feel like there's more that you have to say or oh it's perfect you should have ended it there you know so i what i needed i ended up getting because of covid uh because we had discussed that and so it started with the performances then we birthed i am poetry africa that celebrates two years last year of virtual sessions and we're actually going to have one uh now in, in, in later on in the afternoon you should but, um, um you should um you should invite me to one of them i'll um, you. no you should you can definitely come through because it's an open mic session and even with that i didn't just hog the space when i was accepted on an international scale what i found was oh okay so they accepting me so if they accept me that means i have to accept everyone that comes with me my whole hashtag i'm poetry africa family is coming with me so when they would have virtual sessions like my marissa prada which is my publisher she'd say okay we're going here we're going there we're in india we're hopping all over the world with different poetry sessions on a, in a weekend maybe i'm hitting about four five in a day or uh sorry in a weekend uh maybe three today another two tomorrow or three today three tomorrow tomorrow you know and it was hectic uh, i know it caused strain on my family but also with this journey is you have to understand it comes with also sacrifice i had to sacrifice sure. family time to sure. to do these things you know we sure. to do the things that we enjoy that don't pay us a thing i didn't know that my book is going to end up being where it is right now i didn't know that somebody would believe in me enough to say kim i'm submitting your book for this award that award and i think we're going to beg this award and you know what i think your book is good enough to win an award even for like on a grammy level and i was like ah this you know this person's gassing me up yeah, and um before i i even finished my sentence we won the first award and i was like okay let me shut my mouth and <laughs> let me let you do what's best because you know uh you know what's best for me at this point when it comes to the marketing of this and i just trusted trusted her and as i said it was unfortunate that i didn't publish here and merely off that nobody got the time to really read the manuscript or maybe it's because i i didn't go the the normal route you know where they heard my name on the street you know gain that respect on a street level you know it was just on a virtual level to a point where um i'm not posting but to a point where now if i go onto a zoom or if i go onto a a instagram live i get picked out and be like oh that's kma and i'm like oh, okay thanks <laughs> you know yeah i'm here They're like yeah you know and even on clubhouse and i think that's the thing is we've limited ourselves to to just down the street or just that that room and once you just don't limit yourself to that the possibilities are endless when it comes to writing poetry there's clubhouse clubhouse has rooms every day where you can go and perform those pieces and perfect how you sound 
and then go out into that same hall or that space in in Melville and go and perform that piece that nobody heard you performing Clubhouse. It's just that you were using that as a trial period. And that's how I looked at the virtual sessions. I was like, oh, this is where I practice. And now I have to go out into the world and I have to do it. So when we had our space out in, in Alex, which is Kula, I was like, ooh, let's go. You know, I was performing pieces where I infused music and poetry and seeing how the crowd fe felt it, if they feel it as good as a virtual crowd. And I enjoyed it. And I still, <laughs> I still chase that rush, but it's different to actual sessions and virtual sessions. There, there is a, 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 a difference yeah. between the two. Yeah. You know? um, fascinating stuff, man. Fascinating stuff. Um, fascinating. Um, I like the way you say it's won the first award. I like the confidence in that. Um, and congrats to that. I know um, <laughs> if I must uh, analyze it really sharply, like just to have that in your vocabulary and to come out, the confidence is clearly grown which is which is good uh, a lot of artists um a lot of artists local based artists um don't really i wouldn't say don't really get it but i don't think they really trust the um the system they don't really trust i'm well, i'm assuming yeah let me let me rather just put a pause <laughs> before i upset a whole bunch of people um but i know that um because this post-covid world and a lot of guys really jumped on it um, most guys was in the studios, um, you know, putting together work. And as soon as everything opened up, they just went back to where um, everything was because there's um, security in um, in a form of comfort for them. Yeah, it's comfort. But 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 you understand what I'm saying. So to be a sort of a pioneer, so to speak, in this postcode world, stuff, I'm sure you. I'm sure in a few years, months, uh, uh, there'll be a, almost a, like a subcategory for guys like yourself and others. And, I'm sure your numbers is also pretty more, but more impressive because one unfortunate thing, and this is the issue we have in South Africa, um, and you can read all these nasty, cruel stats of how few people read and how few people have access to books. Um, my take on all of that is, is that this is where your future lies. You have to get your stuff on your, um, yes, the library system, the bookstore system and so forth is necessary, but they need to evolve and they're not. And they are not and that's why they are falling behind uh, that's why the youth is out of touch with these spaces because what these spaces are actually housing or showcasing is not what young people want and they are not evolving and i think that is problematic in south africa um which is which is why it's cool to talk to people like like yourself who's who's, who's confident about this world and who, of course he's successful because that's the big part of it so much so 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 big up to all of that man so um we sort of in the latter part of everything. So there's just two more things I want to cover. Um, you were saying, um, or rather, your book got published when last year? Um, um, do I look African? When was it published? Last year. So um, what's the, um, how can I say, what's the marketing thingy? So, you know, where are you performing it? Where can people get hold of it? Um, what is, you know, how, how else are you marketing and where? Um, um, and if somebody is based in wherever in South Africa, it was quite a few people that listen to this, that really listen to this podcast is based, um, is based here, especially around Johannesburg, Kimberley, uh, Cape Town, so forth, you know, the major centers, um, they will listen. So where can they get hold of it? And um, yeah, one question at a time. Locally, uh, you can contact me for a book because I still have a few left. As I mentioned, this is my first book. We only printed a limited amount of copies. Um, the second book and the third book are both in process. So um, some the of the books The second book as, as, well, as in a second or third anthology? Like... No, they're still getting worked on. There's pressure though on me for for submitting the manuscripts. I'm just taking my time on them. Because a year like, after doing the first one. Sure. Sorry? A year after you did your first book, you already got pressure for a second. Wow. Yep. Yep. I so, don't um, think I've heard that too often. Eh? <laughs> yep. If this, this is why, uh, 
it is very interesting it's something i also didn't expect you know my publisher when she sends me a message after a piece that i wrote uh, one of the pieces was uh you and the series when they come for me which is basically like a backlash piece of some things that were said after this book was published uh, uh and it was also a prompt on clubhouse shout out to um uh people on clubhouse the poetry family and community on clubhouse because that prompt comes from that was when they come for me so i wrote a piece on that and i found so many poets they were like we wrote three four five poems just based on when they come for me so uh that when my publisher heard me perform that piece on a instagram live testing it out and uh i just fresh out of the oven i had just finished putting the finishing touches on that and i had just put it out there and fumbling through some of the words because I had just finished writing it and she's like we should definitely write a book with that title or uh based on that and I was like this woman you know I was also just like you can't be putting this pressure on me knowing her uh yeah but um when it comes to the book you can contact me for international purchases you can go to www.redorgreenbooks.com um and red or green books like read or eid red or green books uh, uh, uh. um this is let me see if i can find the logo on here it'll look more or less like this so there will be the logo of it and you can purchase my book on there as well as um see maybe some of the events that i might be a part of virtually with that platform local events we still putting together the schedule of what's happening i've been hosting a lot of events more than performing at some of the events and i think that if anyone wants to know where i'm going to be they can follow me on instagram on kimberly_kma or on turning pain_into_power because there'll always be something posted on my story as well as like as i mentioned with the i am poetry africa event so that's where people can find it as well as um I am giving uh about four books away donating to local libraries or schools yeah. that will have them. So if anyone is interested in um these books within South Africa they must let me know and I will donate two or so signed um, copies to your institution. Let me just let me let me just come in there let me just give you some advice so so to speak um you need to contact the um the national library they based in Victoria um if you can find the number on their website um what they do with local based publishers when you apply for your ISBN number um you must give them five copies which they send to the different uh, national libraries so they can archive it um it's sort of mandatory for local based publishers so there is actually a demand for that um with libraries um to get into local libraries um i guess it depends on what part of the country or but there are specific people uh that you should um that you should talk to on that um but i would start off with the national um the library of uh, get into those five books um one of the um well it's a, it's very it's, uh, i would i would highly highly recommend that um that that that's your first stepping stone um My sister I'd love to read I'd love to hear one of your pieces man is it uh can you um uh, a good a good friend of mine um he's a, he's a very well known poet um uh, told me once that a poet is always have a poem like on like in your pocket like you sometimes say you are poet you can just say you know just take it out and just perform I like that I like that um I always thought that's also a, a good uh, um anyway I like that a lot. Um do you have one that you could just quote us there quickly? Yeah. Please, please. I'm please, always please like that. Like I put it, my marker. You can see my marker was already there. Literal marker. <laughs> yeah, tell us what piece you're going to read and um... This piece is entitled um Love was once a color. It's on um page 32 of my book still feels a bit weird to say which page it is but yeah um it's entitled love was once uh, a color and you can you can give me your points when you Yes done. I won't 
1949, love looked either white, black, Indian, or other. Other referring to the mixed race brain mensa were the names we were once given before finally classed as colored. Love had no specific taste or class. It just had to be within the invisible lines that referred to other as an abomination and just by taking a glimpse across that line would lead to assassination. Love's options were either tall or short and fat or skinny, but never blonde hair and blue eyes, dark skin and thick hair, red lips and tan skin. Love was once a color more than it ever was a feeling. Love was once a death sentence or a bullet in the back of the head. Love was once he made you do it, right? When white girls got caught between the sheets with a man not on her side of the fence, love was once let's run away together. So a place we could call our own when the boss's son found love in the streets of Gomorrah instead of Santon. Love was once babies made in Africa and delivered in secret in the UK, left without an identity. See, my grandmother... My grandmother once shared how my grandfather refused to believe that my mother was his due to her light eyes and gorgeous complexion. I guess he forgot to check his reflection in the river when he washed his face that morning because out of all the three children that he shared with her, my mother had his hazel brown eyes and fair skin. But because love was once a color and hers resembled the farmer, drunk with rage, his first celebrated his second daughter's birth. Some days later, he finally came to this realization that her features had Love may have been preached on pulpits, but it was never practiced. It was the delusion of thinking that God was white and therefore seen pure. I delighted and feared and the merging of two races held faces that even Love looked back at proudly, but never had taken the responsibility for. See, though those lines are now crossed, we still break ice at the site public we boast to our friends about the white guy how a family member is dating and how their kids hair would never need straighteners just like ours did to fit the mold of being what society called decent and even dating a fair colored chick somewhat seen as a badge of honor or trophy one our minds seem to still think of love as a color more than it is a feeling i like it um you you got some very strong uh, i used to illustrate well i still do but not as much i used to do in the past i used to illustrate a lot of poetry I mean, yeah um so i used to always pick up on like very graphic like um, images in the poem and i take the reference between love and the color and i used it as like a, you know for the, for the, i dig it um yeah uh I liked it. Uh, yeah, man, I was gonna. I guess that's more Caesar's thing, is to sort of unpack more of it and maybe it's cooler just to just to be. Um, one thing I I really enjoy, um, which I find quite poignant, if 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 you ask a poem, a poet, sorry, to read something of them, is what poem they choose. Um, I think that, you know, the fact that you chose that also pretty. It, it, it I think I think it's also it says it's more like what you're not saying and what you are saying if that makes any sense i thought that was i thought that was very cool i liked the, the and also the fact that you started with the um in 1949 love the color something like that that's dope <laughs> uh that was pretty cool um kimberly kma anderson okay kma sounds very hip hop it sounds very 1990 like old school hip hop i'm sure there was an mc with a similar name or I think I'm thinking of KLF, but there was that sound. That sound. You should, you should, you should maybe, maybe if you're in a branch and do more street type shit, you know, get like a really graffiti esque logo. You, I think KK made look also good like on um, as graffiti. Already, I can, I can see shapes there with a the name. <laughs> um, Kim Lee K M Kim K. <laughs> Okay, Emma Anderson. This Please was. This was this if was, you this see was, any graffiti with my name, it will not be. <laughs> this was. This was. This, this. This was really cool, man. This was really insightful. Thank you. I really, Thank you. really, really I enjoyed this. You are definitely the first person that I spoke to on this platform that has been sort of a product, so to speak, of a post-COVID uh, uh, world, and um, I think it's fascinating. Um, please keep me up to date. 
Um, but my sister, thank you very much. Let's wrap this up, man. Um, you say you are available on all the major platforms, so it's Facebook. Are you on Twitter? Uh, no. I no. have an account, but I don't. I'm not, uh, I'm not big into Twitter. I'm not big into social media unless it's for poetry. Other than yeah. that, I, I just love putting my phone one side and just writing or other things. But yeah, you can... Kimberly KMA Anderson is everywhere on Facebook, on Instagram. Those are the two platforms. Um, if you want to know anything else that we're doing, can message me. Um, give me a call as well as one of those platforms and can work as well and see what we're doing. For sure, man. And to the other listeners, like if you would download more information as well, um, you can always get all of me and I'll forward it through to, 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 to Kimberly. Um, and remember, guys, we're available on all the platforms. So that's we also have Patreon. I forgot to mention at the beginning uh, again. Uh, but we are we are Patreon creators as well. We're on Afropod. Check us out there too. That's an African-based uh, platform. Um, and like Spotify, iTunes. Google Podcast, uh, where else? It's, it's more like where we're not. So, so if you just found out, let's see, you'll find us anywhere. Remember, please like, subscribe, and comment to this channel. And my sister, thank you very much once again for giving us your time and for giving us your work uh, before. And, and um, Clubhouse, just the last question. Um, Clubhouse, clubhouse.com, or is it just Clubhouse? Or is it's, it a... it's an app. Clubhouse is just the app. Um, okay. You can find so it I can get it off the Play Store. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, you can get it off the place. Well, I can, if you find me on Clubhouse on with this name, I'll in ping you into all the rooms and all. Okay, for sure. I'll um, get it out. That there as well. Fantastic, man! Fantastic. I definitely want to check that out. Um, yeah, and um, your publishers read for Green Books as an R E A D um or Green Books. So check it out there too, guys. And once again, my sister. Enjoy spending the time with your family for the rest of the day and um, keep writing and I'll be in touch. Thank you very much.